my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. Oh, wait, what day is it? It's Monday. Hopefully, you had a terrific weekend. That's more like it. <laughs> I was joined today by my friend Ian Hayworth. It's always a great time talking to Ian. Uh, we, we obviously just covered the uh, the latest on the coronavirus and the government's response. Um, I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Ian, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you have the means to do so, uh, please consider supporting us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. Uh, every little bit counts. Um, all right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Ian Hayworth. All right, guys. We're here with my friend Ian Hayworth. Ian, my brother, how you doing? Oh, as uh, good as possible during these pretty bizarre times. Thank you for having me back, as always. Of course, man. How, how are you hanging in? I know you're from California. You're in you're in Southern California, so uh, basically everything that you can possibly do is illegal. Um, so, what are you doing to uh, pass the time? Yeah, so I'm actually in Northern California. I'm about an hour outside of San Francisco. So things got locked down here um, earlier than a lot of places. I'm one of the fortunate ones. I can work from home as, you know, my day job. I can just work from home as normal. So I'm certainly one of the more fortunate people who are able to kind of continue. Um, really, the big worry is for the people who aren't able to continue. They're either forced to leave their jobs or forced to work in pretty hazardous conditions. So I'm just saying myself is pretty fortunate. Obviously, it's not ideal. I think a lot of people are starting to go a little bit crazy. But I take uh, cabin fever over half having to deal with a lot of what, of what a lot of people are dealing with on a daily basis anytime. So pretty unique times. It's, it's very hard to know exactly how I feel. And I think a lot of people are scared and, and worried and it's, it's a scary and worrying time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is, man. So let, let's jump, let's just jump right into the news of the day. I, I, the audience already knows this, but for anybody who's just tuning in for the first time, like I don't do the whole, what every other podcast does, what every, you know, cable news shows certainly do. I don't do the whole daily death count thing, the daily tally of, of confirmed cases and, and deaths and all this stuff. I, I don't find that stuff to be particularly productive or helpful. Um, I mean, yes, we're mm-hmm. in the thick of this. Yes, it's going to be a rough few weeks. I, I don't really have anything else to say uh, in, in regards to the coronavirus itself. I'm not a doctor. Uh, so I'm not, you know, I'm not doing the whole, hey, you know, 700 people died yesterday and this is what's projected for today. Who knows? I have no idea. That's not helpful. I'm not going to do that. So let's just get into the politics of all of it. I, I'm going to start off by 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 giving Trump some well-due, uh, well-deserved praise here to start off the show. The entire corporate press and the medical experts around the president, including Dr. Fauci, are basically begging the president to rip up the Constitution and declare martial law over the entire country, right? Okay, that, that's what they want. <laughs> Just do something. Why haven't we locked down the whole country? Well, one, that, that would be wildly unconstitutional. That would be illegal if, if Trump did that. Uh, but look, a, a lesser man, a lesser president probably would have. I I, I believe if, if Hillary Clinton was president, she obviously would have probably quarantined the whole country already. Um, 
so to Trump's credit, he's resisted them. Uh, he's pointed to the Constitution saying, I don't have that authority, uh, which is great news. I mean, that tells me that there's a chance, there's there, there might just be a small chance uh, the Constitution may recover from, from its severe case of coronavirus. Uh, what say you, Ian? Well, yeah, I think it, you've heard people say, you know, never, never um, waste a crisis. And you've heard people say never waste a pandemic. And you've seen a lot of people, both on the left and the right, kind of clamoring to take advantage of this as a power grabbing opportunity. And I think, as you said, Trump's done pretty well. I, I have some good things about how Trump's handled this. And I think some bad things, I, I think his messaging has been quite poor. But I think, as is with Trump, his actions have been reasonably good. Um, I'm not a fan of the Defense Production Act stuff. No, uh, I've written about that um, a couple of times. We can talk about that a little bit if you want. Yeah, but I mean, we can we that's... can just we can tackle that right now. I mean, that's I don't think you can be a a conservative or a libertarian, anybody who values yeah, you know the, the Constitution or limited government, and be in favor of of uh, the Defense Production Act. The same with with uh, uh, you know eminent domain. I, I don't think you can be a, mm-hmm. a conservative or a libertarian and not believe that eminent domain is is evil. Uh, and mm-hmm. obviously, I think the Defense Production Act is is evil as well. So I, yeah, I think um, people should be more concerned. I, th- I I had a very worrying time. I think it was like just over a week ago that he enacted that for GM, right. and a lot of sort of hardcore Trump fans are cheering it on, like, oh well, we bailed them out. We they deserve it. So well, I get very worried during times like these when you get when you see people who claim to be conservative and then are, are crying for blood in the same way that the radical left do. So that's something I'm a little worried about, but. A, Setting that aside, I actually think Trump's done a decent job in terms of what his administration have done. Um, I think you know that he's done a decent job because you've got people like Biden who are calling him racist for closing the borders a few weeks ago, now saying that he didn't do it early enough. And so it's just it's almost laughable. It would be laughable if it wasn't such a dire, horrendous situation we find ourselves in. And uh, what's so unfortunate to me is more that you've got people, again, who are hoping Trump fails. I mean, you've had people ever since he won the presidency hoping the plane crashes. And that says something really terrible about the state of the country, that you've got people who are really effectively hoping for Americans to be harmed and effectively Americans to die for their political goals. And I think that's something that needs to change sooner rather than later, because that is not a good path to be stuck on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, are really exposing their own depravity um, mm-hmm. through all of this. And it's not, look, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but it's the entire corporate press. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the entire press corps and 75% of elected Democrats. Okay, like, I don't think I'm, I'm overreaching by, by pointing that out. I, I don't really think that's disputable at this point. I mean, they, they do want Trump to fail, and in this case, Trump failing means tens of thousands of dead Americans. It's just, it's also, I think, a problem of just the fact that the media is trying to walk this line of being these martyrs of truth, but also trying to be entertainment and also trying to push this pretty uh, leftist narrative most of the time. And so that's a very strange um, state of affairs to be in because you're almost being applauded for spreading spreading falsities or, for example, blaming Trump for those two idiots who drank uh, fish tank cleaner and it's just that's not helping anything and again like we've had this conversation so many times it feels like beating a dead horse at this point but the fact that people clearly aren't willing to hold the media accountable when they do overstep and when they do just spread things that are just demonstrably false if, if 
they're not going to do it now, then I don't think they're ever going to do it. I, I want to put the me, the the press's behavior in into some context here. I mean, like, imagine. All right, let's take it from a different angle. Like, I'm I'm against the the wars in the Middle East, right? Let's take Syria, right? I, mm-hmm. I want to pull all of our troops out of Syria. I, I thought it was a ridiculous, unconstitutional war to begin with. Uh, getting involved with the Syrian civil war. Can you imagine me or other libertarians rooting for the deaths of members of the American military? Because that's what they're doing. I, I, it's it's these, it's the exact same thing. Like just because I'm against the war in Syria, it's not like I'm I'm hoping that that my my friends who are currently serving. <laughs> Yeah. In, in the military, die. I mean, like that's what the press is doing with this, though. Like it, it's that evil. It's that deprived. It, it's ugh. It, it's just gross, man. Well, it's also consistent with their policy position on pretty much anything. I mean, you bring up you bring up abortion to anyone um, on the more radical left, and they claim that that means you want women to die. Or you bring up saying that um, banning things like AR-15s is both unconstitutional and pointless if you actually care about gun violence and right. they say oh you want you want children to be destroyed it's just it's exactly the same strategy it's just being played out on a global scale now and you've got really it in terms of looking forward to 2020 this is their last real shot at unseating trump i mean they've tried everything they've thrown everything but the kitchen sink at him and this is their kitchen sink now like if they they can't afford to they don't need to rally behind him. You know, there's room to criticize and there's room to point out when he does something wrong. But they don't have the opportunity to just forget their own um, selfish goals and just do what's best for the country. Because if they do that, they're going to lose in 2020. And that's that's at the back of their mind. It's been the back of their mind the entire time. I mean, just can you imagine? I can't put myself... And this is why I'll never run for office. I, I just... I don't think I'm capable of that level of evil. At least I hope I'm not. Like I mean, look, like Nancy Pelosi, they're they're opening up an investigation of the administration's handling of coronavirus now in April, first week of April, in the middle. We when may have not. Even, we may have not even hit the peak yet. We're yeah. talking the the peak coming somewhere between April 12th and April 20th, right? Okay, like the worst is still to come, and they're they're trying to essentially what impeach Trump again. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like that. They're, they're so focused on November that they can't, they cannot, they cannot put the country before their party. They're they're incapable of doing it. Yes, it's just it's beyond sickening, and um, really we shouldn't be surprised at this point. I mean, they've done it time after time. There's <laughs> for for people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. I mean, just look at Adam Schiff's Twitter. He's upset. He's not getting anywhere near as much attention as he was before. These people are, are pretty. Uh, despicable in terms of, I think, the how low they'll go. Um, I think whenever I say such things, people often accuse me of being a hypocrite. You know, Trump's done bad things too. It's like, yes, but two things can be true at once. And there's a difference. Like, it, what the Democrats are doing are just awful right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference. Like, okay, there's a difference between banging a porn star, which is bad. I, I don't uh, recommend that. <laughs> it's not great uh, to cheat on your wife who just gave birth to your son. I mean, that's a very, very bad thing to do. I'm not defending that by any means, but that's 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 not even in the same ballpark of what we're seeing from the Democrats right now and from the press right now. I mean, they, like these people are rooting for the country to fail and for Americans mm-hmm. to die. That's a lot different than having an affair. OK, like yep. one is a moral failing personally in your personal life, which is bad. Don't do that, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, don't do that. Um, 
but that's that's a drop in the bucket, man. Like who like who cares about that? <laughs> like I, I know like, you kind of have to preface when you're talking about the the immorality of Democrats. Well, yeah, I know. We, you know, disclaimer: Trump's immoral too. But yeah, we're talking about two entirely different leagues of immorality. Yeah, and also it's it's the classic thing right now of judging someone by their actions in the role they've been selected for. So I, I'm not a giant fan of, of I think, Trump's moral character gen, uh, generally, but in terms of what he's done in his administration, especially in the recent, say, half of his administration, I think it's been pretty great in most instances. Um, setting aside some of the things he said, some of the things he's actually done are really good. But I think a lot of the left, they, they live in the realm of judging people by what they say and not what they do, because their whole ideology is based on saying things, because their ideology is impossible to enact. Everything is about saying something as a human right, but it's impossible to actually ever reach. And all they do is talk. And so it's all they do is judge people by what they say. And <laughs> they don't have anything else. Like they, they have nothing to point to because the head of their, their movement right now is an ex-bartender who doesn't know anything. anything. And so it's... Her ignorance is quite staggering. I'm, I'm just continually amazed that people give her any authority on any topic whatsoever. But that's the left of you. Well, yeah, and, and they, they, they can't give it a rest either. Uh, over the weekend, AOC said that um, for some reason coronavirus is racist. So on top of bailing out industries and stuff, we should also uh, give black people reparations for slavery um, right now. Because and, for some, <laughs> somehow that's related to... The Chinese coronavirus. It's but it's funny. Like I mentioned this last week on the podcast that I think the uh, the American people one one positive that may emerge from all of this, and it, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But I I I have a feeling the general public are gonna get fed up with the left's bullshit because now mm -hmm. that we're actually living through a global pandemic, like this is an actual life or death situation. This is an actual crisis it's going to be really tough for the general public to put up with like the race baiting, the weird, like riots on college campuses, like the microaggressions, like, the, yeah. like all the stuff that doesn't matter at all. I think once we are getting, once we're seeing some semblance of normalcy return to American life, when the left starts whining about microaggressions and, and how they want to focus on making sure that, you know, men that call themselves women can beat the shit out of women and women's sports. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to be like, okay, well, that doesn't really seem very important. It seems like you guys are a little nuts. How about we focus on like big issues? So, and I don't think the democratic politicians will, will, will get wise to that either. I think they'll keep pushing the, the social justice warrior nonsense. And I think uh, large swaths of the American public might kind of look at them cross eye, side eyed and like uh, really like mm -hmm. you're talking about microaggressions like we just survived the coronavirus you know what i mean so like maybe this will kind of wake people up to like what's really important in life or maybe not maybe i'm i'm too optimistic and the american public are just really really stupid i don't know it could go one way or the other <laughs> i suppose yeah, yeah i think it's this kind of thing brings a sense of uh, perspective that i think the united states specifically hasn't really had access to because things have been so good for so long yeah. compared to pretty much every nation on the planet in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, that's why the idea of intersectionality and microaggressions and all of this ridiculousness we've seen has taken hold because there's literally nothing else to complain about. Like you have to point to this deep 
a sort of unfalsifiable, unprovable sense of injustice that they always rail about because there's no, no obvious injustice slapping us in the face. So they have to they have to move to increasingly more ridiculous things to complain about. And so I, I definitely agree with you. I hope that this sense of perspective makes all of that stuff pale in comparison. Um, I'm just a little more cynical in that I think people have quite short memory spans. And so maybe for a few months afterwards, things will be a little more uh, sensible. But give it a few years and the universities will crank things back up and we'll back, be back to this in no time, I think, unfortunately. But <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it, I haven't really talked at all about what this means for November because I just have absolutely no idea. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if this helps Trump's reelection campaign or not. Um, I guess a lot depends on how, how quickly we can flatten the curve and, and start, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, look, I, I will say, I will say, if President Trump is reelected, after getting impeached for no reason, dealing with the most hostile press ever seen anywhere on Earth, uh, where the entire culture and entertainment and the entire media is out to get him, um, dealing with all the investigations, the Mueller probe, dealing with a global pandemic and a depression. <laughs> if he still gets reelected after all that, then the man is just a fucking gangster. <laughs> okay, like, and then he's just he's just Teflon, man. And I think there's still a, a decent chance that happens. I don't know. Like like I said, I haven't. I don't know. Like before all this, I would have put it at probably a 65 or 70 percent chance that Trump gets reelected. Joe Biden has Alzheimer's. You know, the economy was doing great. Throwing this wrench into the gears. I don't know what it does, but. Um, Mm-hmm. I don't know. We can take this from a lot of angles, but what do you think? How does this affect, just in your opinion, this is all speculation. Whatever we say, you, both of us on this podcast today, I'm sure we'll both be wrong <laughs> in one way or another anyway. <laughs> it's just so speculative. But how does this affect November? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to come back to this in November and, and re-listen to it. I think, I think the media are trying to capitalize on the coronavirus to push someone like Andrew Cuomo to be their nominee because they know that Biden is just completely unsuitable. I mean, he's losing his marbles. He it's, it's horrible to watch. Like, I don't say this with joy or, or to mock. He's clearly not suitable for this anymore. He doesn't really know where he is or what he's saying. It he is can't string it legitimately together. makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Like he, he, he needs help. And so the, the notion that he could win is laughable. If he won, he would last a few minutes and then whoever's his VP would, slide in pretty quickly. I mean, the idea of Kamala Harris becoming our president basically through the back door is the most horrendous thing I can imagine. Uh, so I think the media, that's why they're circling around Andrew Cuomo, because I think they have selected him as their their next Elizabeth Warren to, to back. Um, if he doesn't take the bait and if, if he doesn't um, enter the race after all this, which I don't think he would, I think that would be a very bad move if you're a governor to basically abandon your state. I'd I can't see Joe Biden beating Trump. So if if Trump can make this about basically look at Biden, look at me, I'm the only one who can string a sentence together. I think Trump will win. If people make this about Trump and kind of Biden is successful in his, oh, look at me, I'm basically Obama 2.0, except completely incompetent in ways we couldn't even imagine, then then he could do well. I think Trump will win, but I'm a little bit more worried now because this is just thrown wrench into the works that makes it very hard to just predict basic things. I'm like, none of us could have seen this coming a month ago. 
So I I'm really do. Th- I really do think whoever wins, you can't have your typical evaluation of what went right or what went wrong during the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like whether the Democrats win, the Republicans win. Whoever keeps the Senate, whoever keeps the House, like what whatever happens, I think it's just going to be an anomaly election. I, and solely based on the candidates themselves, their personalities, how they're perceived by the general public. Like, the DNC and the RNC can't sit down and come to a conclusion of this is why we won or this is why we lost. Because this is just, it's not a normal—if you thought 2016 wasn't a normal election, my goodness. <laughs> you know, but I, yeah, this, you know what I'm saying? I think Just completely unprecedented. I think it's like, uh, will Biden continue losing his mind? Will Trump say the right thing or the wrong thing? I mean, it's, it's going to just come down to— to factors just that simple where it's going to be tough to evaluate why voters make the decisions that they made. The thing is, I'm I'm sure you heard, everybody's heard by now, but uh, Joe Rogan, the great Joe Rogan uh, said on this podcast with Eric Weinstein uh, the other day that he, he'd vote for Trump over Joe Biden. Uh, Mm. Joe Rogan is a pretty far left guy. You know, he he said he, he likes Bernie Sanders and, you know, he does not like Trump, but he said he'd vote for Trump over Biden. He's like, can you imagine? I'm paraphrasing, uh, obviously, but essentially, he's like, "Can you imagine Biden trying to <laughs> handle this pandemic? You know, he'd be relying solely on his cabinet. He's mentally not there. Like, he can't handle the amount of stress. I mean, Trump. I'm sure he's working 20 hours a day on this stuff. He's in meetings constantly. You can't. Can you imagine Biden in this position? And I don't think Joe Rogan's alone, man. I'm sure there's a lot of people on the fence, a lot of independents, maybe even some Democrats who are looking at this pandemic and saying, oof, if Biden's the guy, how could you possibly trust him with this responsibility? Uh, that that would not be wise. So I don't know. I, I think Rogan's on to something, and I, I doubt that he's alone in, in saying what he said. Honestly, I, I would feel uncomfortable with any of these Democrats right now because they've made it clear that they would use this we were talking about this a little bit before uh, um, we started the show of just the power thing that they are aching to do right. can you imagine someone like Kamala Harris at the helm right now like we would be living under martial law in 25 seconds flat it would just be terrifying people would be thrown into jail for anything and the jails that she would have emptied to make space for law abiding citizens so I, in some ways Biden is the least terrifying because he's the most inept but right. with Biden comes a VP who is going to get in there pretty quickly yeah yeah and i think you're absolutely right i think all the democratic candidates have completely disqualified themselves um from holding high office at this point um and look i going back to how the government on different levels have been reacting to the to the coronavirus i've realized that a lot of governors some governors have done done well um some haven't and look even like a guy like andrew cromo like i get locking down the state of New York. I mean, over half the deaths in the United mm-hmm. States have been in New York City. Okay, half. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, they're getting absolutely shellacked right now. I mean, they're getting crushed, and they need our support. They need prayers. They need uh, all, all of that. But, like, yeah, and, and some states haven't issued stay-at-home orders at all, and the left is very upset. I saw the, the left, the Democrats, are very upset that the governor of Wyoming hasn't declared martial law yet. There's 17 people live in Wyoming, okay, and they all live 20 miles from each other. Okay, I've been—I don't know if you've ever been to Wyoming, Ian, but I know you're—you're you're originally from the UK. I, it would be like 
I don't know, Isle of Man or something where 14 people live. It's like that. There's nobody there, and they don't see each other, and they all hunt and fish to get their food anyway they, and grow their own food, and they probably don't even step foot in a supermarket. All right? So it's like, okay, this isn't a one-size-fits-all thing, but, like, I've realized that a lot of these governors, Republican and Democrat, basically just want to be Julius Caesar without the dying part, without the Brutus <clears throat> part, just just the unlimited power part, and they're basically just living out their perverse fantasies of controlling the behavior of every citizen of their state. Like, that's what they're Like, the governor of Michigan is threatening people uh, with jail time and a $1,000 fine if they go fishing. It's like, it's like okay. Because that's, yeah, safe, that's safer than the supermarket, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like, there's... That can't possibly keep anyone from getting the coronavirus. That's just a power trip. Like, mm-hmm. you're just having fun with your newfound authority at that point. Like, I mean, you're just you're just a bad person fucking with people. Like, you're not helping people. You're not keeping anyone safe by locking up some kid with a fishing pole. Okay? You're just a power-hungry tyrant. That's all you are. You're not helping anybody. So, I mean, a lot of these people, they're, they're realizing they can do whatever they want, and they're just having fun, man. They're just pretending to be Emperor Palpatine. That's what they're doing. And I, I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm taking it too far, hopefully. Hopefully I'm wrong. But that, that's kind of what I'm noticing from these governors. I think there are certainly some who are enjoying the power. I think there are also some who are living out this unfortunate reality that we have where doing something is valued regardless of whether or not that something is worthwhile. Right. Like, you have every, rather than people taking responsibility for themselves, their families, their communities, you have everyone looking upwards of like, what are you going to do? What is the government going to do? And so you get governors who are just humans too, are dealing with the same information that we have, which is often not that much information. Like we don't know a lot of the things we need to know to really adequately fix this beyond social distancing. You have them just like, I've got to do something. Okay, I'll, I'll ban this. I'll ban that because politicians love banning things, which is quite anti ethical to really what a lot of the United States is about. But they get cheered on because people panic. And so they want to have a sense of something being done. And so it doesn't matter whether they're banning ice cream or anything. It's like, oh, something has been done. We have a new law. That's going to help. And it's interesting. I spoke to um, Dr. Jonathan Metzel on my podcast um, yesterday about this, about the implications of what freedom is. And I think a, a big problem here is that a lot of people like the freedom part, but they don't like the responsibility part. Like they don't like the, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for myself and my family and my community by being self-sufficient. I'm going to stay away from people as much as possible. I'm going to make it as safe as possible for those who can't self-isolate. You got a lot of people who just want to carry on as normal. And then you get the government panicking, trying to deal with problems and then turning to these more authoritarian solutions. And it's just this spiral. And so I, I, a big part of this is the fact that the government is being too authoritarian for my liking in many ways but another big part of it is that citizens just aren't taking this seriously and aren't doing what they need to do as individuals and so it's like a self-perpetuating issue and the, there can be some nuance here okay and mm-hmm. I, I know i know that's illegal because it's 2020 uh, that's another thing that's now <laughs> illegal during this pandemic nuance <laughs> i think that was the first law that that congress passed uh, during this whole process but um <laughs> like i'm taking this extremely seriously like i I, I'm self-quarantining. I'm only going to the store to get food and supplies once a week. 
Uh, the only other place I go is down to the river to go fishing, which is now illegal. Uh, the mayor of uh, Maumee, Ohio, actually 10 minutes before the podcast. This is actually probably why I'm so pissed off and cussing so much on this episode. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to anybody listening with their, their kids back home. Um, uh, the city of Maumee, which is a small town outside of Toledo, Ohio, where everybody goes to fish, the, the mayor... Uh, who's a Republican, actually, uh, just shut down all access points to the river, which is madness. Uh, Doesn't uh, make any sense. Makes no sense. So, yeah, don't go out by yourself uh, with no one around to nature to harvest your own food. Definitely go to the crowded market and get coronavirus instead. Just ask not. This is what happens when you vote for people with IQs under 10. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. But, like, literally, I'm taking this very seriously. I only leave the house to go to the market if i need food and to go fishing essentially and that's it my wife is working from home we're staying away from anybody who who is at risk um i mean we're i'm taking this extremely seriously and i also don't want to bend the knee to emperor fauci i did not Mm -hmm. vote for anthony fauci i voted for donald trump okay i don't care that dr fauci wants to the entire country to be under martial law. I didn't vote for him. He has no power over me, and I'm, I'm tired of being dic- dictated to by this guy. But that, that being said, I'm not saying, oh, everybody go to work right now. I'm not saying, hey, don't wear masks. Go out, shake hands, kiss babies, and, and everybody die of coronavirus. Like, I'm not, I'm not crazy. And you see some people on the right, some people that just don't trust the state at all, and I certainly don't trust the state at all, but saying, oh, well, just open everything up, everybody go back to work, don't listen to anybody. That's not what I'm saying. Like, there can be some nuance here. You can find a balance between not wanting an authoritarian government run by unelected doctors and, you know, just opening up everything right now. I mean, like, I am somewhere in the middle if that's still legal. (laughs) I mean, I think you made the good point of just, like, the nuance is the important thing and also understanding what people's roles are. Like, Dr. Fauci's role is to be to some extent, the voice of accuracy, but also the voice of warning and doom in that his job is to save as many people as possible. And so he's going to give recommendations of the most extreme things we can do to to save as many people as possible. But, but he is not a leader. And so it's then the political um, the political class, their job to take that under consideration and then make policy decisions. Right. But the thing is, if if Dr. Fauci was giving recommendations that went against what a lot of the media and what a lot of the left want then suddenly he would be a great buffoon i mean people are praising george w bush right now for saying in 2005 that we weren't prepared and it's like okay well i was alive in 2005 a lot of people were you called george w bush a war criminal you called him an idiot you called him like an orangutan and it's like all kinds of horrendous things but now suddenly he's this great intelligent guy it's like just go to hell it's just, it's yeah, just horrendous. I, I have, no, I have no, no tolerance for it. Uh, here's the thing. And I mentioned this last week on the show. Well, all right, two, two points. Two points before I let you go. One, we're, we're getting this, this press briefing from the medical experts every day from the White House. Why aren't we getting a press briefing from economists every day from the White House? The, the oncoming Great Depression that we're plunging, our, we're choosing a Great Depression right now. Why aren't we hearing from the the country's top economists onto what to do to save the economy? Because that's just as important. I mean, saving the American economy and the global economy is just as important as defeating this virus. Why aren't we hearing from economists only doctors? That's one. And two, I mentioned this last Wednesday. You don't always have to listen to the experts. Like doctors are always going to tell you to be cautious. Generals are always going to want to bomb countries in the Middle East. Okay, you know, like, okay, I get it. Like, 
everybody was really, really mad at, at Trump because he wasn't getting along with uh, with uh, sec- the former Secretary of Defense, Mattis, because Mattis wanted to bomb people. Trump didn't want to, and, and then Mattis stepped down because he didn't get his way. He didn't get to bomb another country. Okay. Trump didn't listen. Does that mean Trump knows more about warfare than Mad Dog Mattis? Of course not. Was Trump right? I believe he was. Okay, I like Trump's foreign policy a heck of a lot more than most of the generals. Okay, like you, like yes, Mad Dog knows a heck of a lot more about war than Trump. Yes, Fauci knows a heck of a lot more about medicine than Trump. That doesn't mean we always have to do exactly what the quote-unquote experts say. I mean, you need to take them seriously. You need to consider what they say. That doesn't mean you always have to make the decision they want you to make. Or if you did, if you always listen to the generals, we'd be at war with every country on the planet right now. And if you listened to your doctor, you'd lock yourself in your house for the rest of your life and eat nothing but kale. Okay? But that we're not going to do either one of those things. It doesn't matter how smart these people are, and it doesn't matter what their degree hanging on their wall says. Okay, we need to take these people seriously. We don't have to obey their every whim, though, and we need to find that balance. Yeah, it's all about balance. I think that this is something that's often, again, as you said, it's all about nuance. Everything is about balance. It's about finding that line where we protect as many people as possible from this pandemic, but we also don't set fire to our own shoes while we do it. And the problem is that whenever someone mentions this, you're often you get this immediate reaction. that I think we're all so used to right now. Oh, you just don't care about people dying. And it's like, well, no, you you just live in a reality where everything is a choice and everything is about finding that balance. And I think you're right. We need to have some form of economic-based voice in this conversation. But I also think that politicians have a have a tendency to, to some extent, disrespect their audience and also pander to their audience. And so you've got a lot of people who don't want to talk the truth which is hey the economy is kind of ruined right now it's going to be very difficult this is not going to be the the coronavirus goes away and everything goes back to normal like we're past that point yeah i think a lot of politicians are scared as always of telling the truth because the truth is not great quite frankly the truth is not great the economy is going to be very messy for a long time a lot of people are going to be very hard done by by this I'm, i'm very concerned for a lot of people um and there's no great answer to that right now but i wish people were honest and said yep this is the situation. We're going to do what we can to, to get out of it. But honesty is missing in politics, and it's been missing for a long time. And I would love it if it came back, but it doesn't seem there's a reward for it. I agree. And next time I have you on the show, hopefully we have some way cheerier stuff to talk about. I hope so. <laughs> Ian, before I let you go, where can everybody <laughs> listen to your podcast, which is a great show. I highly recommend it. Where can everybody follow you online and keep in touch and all that stuff? Yes, yeah, so you can find me on uh, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. My handle is I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. And I have a podcast on uh, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all those places called The Ian Howarth Show. You uh, spell my last name, H-A-W-O-R-T-H. So yeah, check me out there. And you'll have to come on my show, uh, Brady, as well. Hopefully like this week or next week we can talk more about all this delightful stuff. Absolutely. I'd love to, man. Uh, everybody check out the show. It is great. Uh, everybody follow Ian. He is great. I'm sure uh, he'll be back on the show soon as well. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.